Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and their experience for you to learn from and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. If you want to upgrade your leadership skills in 25 minutes, check out practical-leadership.academy. Katie Anto, thank you very much for joining me. Can I ask you, would you introduce yourself, please? Sure. So I'm Katie. I'm the Chief Executive of ADSS, which stands for Alzheimer's and Dementia Support Services. We are a um, charity, quite obviously, for people with dementia, and we're based in Kent. Um, So I've worked in the charity sector, only working for charities that support people with dementia for the last 10 years. Um, Before that, I had a very different world of working in retail. Um, I worked in big department store retail um, and um, had a a, a varied career across lots of different store functions and then head office functions as well um, and left left when I had my first baby. So what led you to move and I'm sure nobody really minds, how did you get from House of Fraser to Alzheimer's Charities? How on earth did you make that leap? So, um, yes, I know, a big, big leap. Uh, I I needed a job when I was going back to work after having my first baby. It was time to go back. Um, couldn't make it work. I was in head office by then at House of Fraser and 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 just couldn't work, couldn't make it work. Uh, so um, I had been volunteering for the Alzheimer's Society for about five years and they had a job going um, and I thought that's fine this job will tide me over for a year or so and then I could decide what I really want to do. Um, went in as a as a sort of junior manager as and for, for one of the teams. Uh, and the charity bug just hit me. Absolutely loved it. I kind of just thought, you know, this is, it probably came at the right time in my life because um, I had to have a, a compelling reason to leave my baby at home and um, and go off to work uh, and doing something that I really felt had, you know, great purpose to it and, and made me, I'm not going to lie, made me feel good about myself as well. Um, yeah, so did that and then just worked my way up through Alzheimer's Society doing different different management roles and just absolutely loved it loved managing you know transferring all those skills that I'd had from retail where you do and I'll always be thankful for my time in retail because you manage big teams and from quite a young age I was managing quite big teams uh, so learned loads of experience and had loads of experience and loads of lessons uh, managing those big teams uh, and transferred all that kind of transferable stuff over into the charity sector but um, didn't have to think about selling more clothes or making somebody more money you could think about how we make people's life better. Uh, just a do-gooder at heart, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so was it in retail? Was it in the House of Fraser? Or was it in the Alzheimer's Society where you first became a manager of people? Oh, it was in retail. It was, um, yeah, it was quite early on. I think probably probably whilst I was working my way through university, I pr- really? probably had my first kind of, this is a supervisory kind of role and I'd probably be um, asked to, manage a small team for a day and and run, run the shop so yeah that would have been my first time of being a people a people manager in fact 
I can remember my area manager at, um, at one of the, the shops I worked in um, gave, gave me a book, uh, um, which is very dated now, but um, it was the um, One Minute Manager. I um, love that. Can I know. Absolutely I love it. Let Ken Blanchard, feedback is the breakfast of champions and all of that Catch stuff. Catch people and... doing things right. Exactly. And I just thought, I love this. I, I love this. for my kids. Yes. Yeah. All of it's... this, all of leadership and management, all of, most of the stuff that I love, not only the books and stuff I read, comes from, comes from watching my kids and how they actually develop. Exactly. Getting them to do stuff, motivating them, giving them feedback. Exactly. My one-to-ones with my eight-year-old. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad there's someone else like me that does that because that's what I do as well. But it's it bloody works. It's good stuff. Ken Blanchard. No, that's, that's wonderful. That's great yes. stuff. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, it would have been it would have been working yeah, when I was back when I was at uni and those Saturday jobs that I first became a people manager and and then just stuck with it really stuck with working in different in different teams and different assignments and I, I did I had a very brief brush with being a um, being a men's tie designer after I left university because I'd graduated in textiles uh, okay. um, and um, did that for about eight months and realized it was people management that I wanted to do <laughs> Okay, so from retail via men's ties all the way to <laughs> chief executive of the Alzheimer's Society. Yes. I like um, that. I like that. Okay. So your 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 area manager at the point, he gave you the one minute manager there. What would you recommend? What what advice would you or have you given to people who are first at time in role of managing people? I think I think the the advice I would give to people is know what you stand for, know what you want, know who you are and, and what you are and what you want to achieve and, and stick to it. Um, like, for example, for me, it's all about the team. It's about, I, you know, I passionately believe that any team, when you've got it working well, it's, it's bigger than the parts. It's, you know, what can be achieved is bigger than, than the sum total of all the individual parts. Uh, and that's what I always, I'm out, uh, ADSS I've been working with lots of different team members um, and giving this advice as they as I see them embark on their their management career really you know don't try and be somebody else be yourself uh, um, you may you may need to learn some things and you may need to to apply some of that knowledge uh, but do it in your in in a way that you know you can always think god I'm doing that with integrity I'm doing that in a way that feels natural to me um so I always say to people don't try and be me don't try and be somebody else just be yourself um everybody um, else is taken yeah absolutely yeah I love that yeah definitely everybody else is taken so be yourself uh, um and I've, I think it's taken me till this point in in my career and and managing the team that I now do that's made me realize that's how you create a great co- culture in an organization when, when you allow everybody and encourage every everybody to be themselves uh, um and yeah to know that they to know what their strengths are know what their weaknesses are but let them apply those in in a way that feels comfortable to them that speaks to authenticity that yeah. speaks to it's automatic diversity um, I think the challenge that comes with it is the inclusion of different types as well. Now, I'm I'm not talking about the demographic. I'm talking about the diversity of thought. Yeah. Because it's the diversity of thought that actually matters. 
too often when people talk about D and I and all this stuff is that they get caught up about the containers we all come in. But I think the reality is, it's, now, of course, naturally, I'm talking about this as a six-foot white middle-aged bloke, reasonably well-educated, so what the hell do I know? But the, it's the, the diversity of thought that I think is really important there. And unless you poke at the, the, the authenticity and say, no, 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 don't write like that. Don't speak like that other person. I'm hiring you. I've hired you. I want the contents of your brain. Absolutely. People that don't surround themselves with people that will will um, be themselves and and challenge openly and challenge professionally. You get things wrong when you do that. And you know, I know from from things that I've done in, in the past where I haven't I haven't got enough enough people around me to to help me craft what the ultimate decision is going to be. Yeah. Um, that I think that's really when things go wrong when when you you have a culture where people aren't aren't happy to be themselves and 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 say what they think. Uh, How have you done this? How I've got a team. I'm, I'm keen to make the most out of the component parts. I want the sum to be greater, the whole to be greater than the sum of the parts. How did I do it? Where did I start? I think you know the thing that I've thing that I've done is I try and make sure I surround myself with people that I can learn from I think it's about having those people in not just your professional life but your personal life uh, I know it's a total cliche but my mum and my sister are two people that I constantly learn from all the time uh, um, and I think it's also about helping people spot the talent in themselves um, um, particularly in our industri- industry of the the charity sector, there's this kind of perception that we're all volunteers and that none of us are none of us are paid and none of us are that particularly professional. So people that come through to us uh, um, and and you know the people that I I spot potential in, they don't necessarily believe in themselves. They're all experiencing that kind of imposter syndrome. So th- that's the key thing that I do is help people spot the potential in themselves. Uh, um, and yeah, really making sure that they they know what their strengths are, and, um, and and not being afraid to be honest with them about the things that that don't go so well. So, how to build that authenticity in your team by building up on the strengths of the individuals, surrounding yourself with people you can learn from, and helping them to discover their own their own their own potential. Yeah. But it's not necessarily just discover their own potential. It's great. Oh, you have discovered my potential. That's great. I think it's the, the the trick is then to take that discovery and to let them experience it. Yeah. Because once you've nailed what well, once they've nailed and say, oh, actually, I think I'm, this is these are my strengths. These are the things that I'm good at. These are the things you need to build on. Because if you help them, you want inclusion, you want everybody to be their authentic self, unless they're an ass, you know, and we don't want them to be your authentic. Can you be somebody else, please? You're an ass. No. Sorry, I'm being glib. But you want them to build on the, the, the strengths that they have, fix the debilitating weaknesses so they can perform, but build on the strengths you have because that's the, the, this is where you can really see improvement. You know, I say you can take a two or a three or a scale of one to ten, to like a three or a four, but you can take a six or a seven, all the way to a 10, you know, 10 out of 10. And that's powerful. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, as as I'm hearing you talk there, I'm just thinking of, of kind of that how to, how do I do this? Uh, 
And I think one of the things that is so key is having that kind of shared vision. You all want to get to the same point and that's how you can help somebody realize their potential and then set them free to just go and explore it because you know at the end of the day you're all working towards the same thing and obviously in, in the charity sector we have the charity sector we have the the enormous luxury that we are all working towards one thing which is to help improve the quality of lives of the people we support or some other really worthwhile cause so it's quite easy to do that when you work in the charity sector but that's yeah that's you know having a vision of where you want to get to and and sharing that vision um i think is really important to to enable people to just kind of feel free and feel trusted to get on with what they need to do do you think you take that for granted in somehow because i think if you reflect on uh, maybe in your experience it's not quite the same because in retail what's the vision of house of fraser to flog more frocks you know we want shift the stuff in charity sector particularly, and in a lot of the public sector, the vision is crystal clear. It's to serve the public to put out fires. It's to, in your case, to raise awareness and raise funds for the, uh, and deliver services around Alzheimer's and dementia. That clarity of vision is inherent in what you do. But a lot of corporations, a lot of businesses, it can be woolly as all hell. Absolutely. I, I think, yeah, you know, you're right. And I, and I, I think that's why... It, I will always look back on my first first career in in retail as building so many of the blocks that I um that I now use because yeah how do you sell the vision of getting up in the morning and selling more clothes more makeup more furniture um and and I think that's where really the the the, the team come in um and, and you know you can actually I think probably the vision I sold without even knowing it at that time was we're one big team and we want to be a successful team. And doesn't that feel good when we are a successful team? Uh, um, and and that was probably the, you know, the, the vision that I sold more, whereas, you know, really don't have to give it much of a sell now um, in my, in my life at ADSS, because the vision is that, you know, we, we want to do things for, for people affected by dementia. What questions do you ask someone so you can help them, or what do you do with someone so you can help them to you know, believe what they in their own capabilities? Um, I think I think it's about helping them reflect on what they've achieved uh, and seeing seeing the um, seeing the kind of the fruits of their labour, as it were. Really, so what, one of my team members now. Um, you know, she often says to me, "I'll take, I'll take it what you're saying, but it feels like it's more of a team effort with you and me and somebody else." Uh, um, but actually, what she doesn't see in herself is just, you know, she's got some magic of getting people to, to, to buy into what she wants to achieve and and to her vision and everything, uh, um, and 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 she 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 creates that. So I think it, yeah, I think it's really about helping people see what they what they've achieved, what they what they can achieve uh, um and yeah and being honest with people when things don't go so well um because i think you know if you, if you spend enough time in the positives people are willing to accept the negatives as well uh, whereas you know all, all too often here um when i say i surround myself with people i learn from it's not always learning for a good reason sometimes it's people that i've worked for have, have taught me things that are, are nothing else and I, I would never want to lead a team like that and and <laughs> I had a had a um a, a managing director 
that was would, would, would proudly say that he believed in the mushroom principle of management, um, <laughs> which <laughs> you may them in the dark and feed them in crap. Yes, exactly, I like it. I like it. exactly, and and this was his his proudest proudest achievement. So yeah, I would, <laughs> I would, <laughs> I would uh, definitely definitely used him as an example of somebody I would never never want to emulate or or conduct myself like. But yeah, that's you know I think that's what I do just help people see what they've achieved and see, and see what they what they can achieve. Um, that's excellent. I like that. There's the other the other version is that you've got the mushroom principle or the seagull principle. Have you heard of that one? Oh no, not heard of the seagull. Well, the seagull principle. principle is when the bird flies in through the door, makes a big noise, craps all over the place and then flies off again. <laughs> there might be some people that say that that's my style. <laughs> ah, can I ask you, you mentioned there your your colleague there who has this magic Yes. That she's not aware of. She's not aware of. That's a thing, I think, about boys and girls. And I think, and having, I'm just spotting it in my two kids just now, um, in that when something goes right or wrong, we tend to look in or out. And I think it's different for the sexes. Yeah. So your colleague is getting, oh, you know, it's not really me, it's a team effort. And you're saying, no, hey, it's no, it's you. You're magic, if you'll yeah. excuse the parlance. It's, you're, you're, you've got this magic about you. Yeah. Yes, it's a team effort, of course, but it's about you. Whereas if it was a bloke, he would have said, yeah, you're probably right, it was definitely me. Yeah. Or equally, something went wrong. It's a female trait to say, oh, Ah, there was something about what I did. Yeah. Whereas typically blokes say, no, 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 it was the weather. Yeah. It was the, 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 the traffic. It wasn't me or my inability to plan ahead or something like that. I don't know. It's a, it's a gross generalisation. Uh, no, but I think you're right. And I think it is, you know, it, I, I think there is still so much, so, so much further us, for us to go because part, part of that is how society's conditioned us to behave like that and and and, and part of it is conditioning i think some of it is conditioning yeah i, I do think nature that, nurture isn't it yeah it yeah i think i yeah i think you know it's it's not becoming is it to be um to be somebody as a female who's who's you know if you think just think of the words that 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 a, a, you know, a very confident female gets labelled with compared to a very confident bossy. male gets labelled. Yeah, bossy and leadership. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's management if you're a man, but it's uh, it's bossiness if you're if you're a woman. So, mm -hmm. and, and I think you know, with with my my team men member that I spotted this potential in, uh, and and she doesn't see it herself. I think the reason I can relate to that is because I know I've done that to myself as well, where I'm just not willing to. Mm -hmm to see that in myself and um yeah you said you like surrounding yourself with people you can learn from but was there an event or something that happened that uh you learned a lot from i think you know we, we just touched on it there really when we were talking about people not believing in in themselves and seeing seeing their own potential i think that's something that I've had to learn from where I haven't believed in myself uh, it's led to people underestimating me and um and yeah and people not sort of you know it's certainly led to me not getting jobs that I've wanted <laughs> um but it's also I think there's there's been times and and at ADSS we've just been through a really huge commissioning process uh, 
And there were times where I, I did feel out, totally out of my comfort zone. I was doing something that I'd never done before. And I probably didn't show that belief in myself. And it led to others not not having that that belief in me as well. Uh, um, and, you know, coming through that process has, has really taught me that, you just sometimes you just have to suck it up and 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 believe in yourself show others that you believe in in yourself um because otherwise yeah otherwise you'll get underestimated uh, which as it happened didn't end up being such a bad thing because i think um it helped us <laughs> but um but yeah it it certainly has led to to times where I haven't always got what what the organization or or myself personally wanted because i didn't didn't quite believe in myself enough um is that faking it till you make it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's just giving yourself a good talking to in the mirror and uh, and saying, come on, you know you can do this. Uh, Positive self-talk. I think the, the person that listens to you most is you. Yeah. And if you say, oh, I'll never do it. I can't do that. I don't know how to. Then, well, you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. What are you working on at present, Katie? Oh, we've got lots going on at ADSS. So we, like I mentioned, we've just been through a really big commissioning process, which has led to us growing considerably um, as a charity. We've got, uh, we were very, uh, in a very small area of Kent and we just drastically expanded our geographical area where we support people. So um, yeah, by the end of the process, we'll have, nearly 100 team members whereas we we started the the year with just under 70 so a big period of growth for us uh, so the things I'm working on really to do with that is just making sure that we don't dilute our quality or our culture um and we need to really think about our um our, our piece of work around our equality and diversity and I suppose the other thing that I'm working on which is a you know um a big thing that's happening in certainly in the world of health and social care is there's big transformations happening in the NHS and um and I'm using my role as a charity CEO to make sure that we are part of that um and that the charities get the recognition and uh, recognition for their professionalism and the work that we do um so you're building the partnerships and sitting on various committees and working groups to the the NH and it would be really interesting to hear you do one of your podcasts with people from the NHS because the NHS mm. is, a, is a is a totally different beast in itself but um but so so integral to our way of life in this country yeah um great well not number one of course then uh, if you're interested in a position with the Alzheimer's and Dementia Support Services charity, then you should visit their website, and that is at? It's at alz-dm.org. What are you reading or listening to? What do you like reading or listening to? I like reading for pleasure, actually. So um, I will always have a good novel on the go. It's something that I, I really do use to to relax and to take me to a different place. Uh, um, so I'm reading The Lido by Libby Page at the moment. Mm. Um, I like in I like interesting characters in books um, and I like books to be well written. I'm a bit of a, um, a bit of a snob about things that are not well written. But I also like reading leadership books. Uh, um, 
also just started, uh, which I'm probably a bit late to the table on this one, but the Compassionate Leaders Playbook. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, and there's some great books out there, which I, um, so I'm I'm one of these people that have a few books on the go at, at any one given time. So there's some great books ri- out there written by people living with dementia who really, really do inspire me. And, and one of them is Wendy Mitchell. And she's written a great book that I have read all the way through called Somebody I Used to Know. Um, and I'm just about to get to the end of the first chapter of a new book that she's written what I wish people knew about dementia um again absolutely brilliant and inspiring and affirming that that you know I love what I do reading a book like that what would you like to thank young Katie for getting right oh um I think I would thank myself for being brave for like I've like I've spilt the beans about not always believing myself I think one thing that I would thank myself for is I I think I always do show courage even if I don't always believe in myself Uh, so I'm really really grateful that I had the courage to make some of the decisions I have in terms of changing careers um leaving retail that was a big thing that was kind of all I ever knew but really grateful that I had the um yeah had the courage to do that and um and then equally I absolutely loved working for Alzheimer's Society but I knew when the time was right to go and and did I didn't go to ADSS as the chief executive I worked my way up there so really glad that I you know had the courage to know that it was time to go and there was something else out there for me and just lastly as we wrap up then how can people find you apart from www.alz-dem.org where can we find you you can find me on twitter on twitter and linkedin um particularly on linkedin i do i do like um posting it and i i know this makes me sound really quite sad but i really love it when i meet people and they say oh you know we're, we're connections on linkedin and love what you posted last week or love hearing about the work your charity does all that sort of thing so yeah i'm 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 on LinkedIn quite a bit. Um, love it. Love the support that the, the LinkedIn community give each other, and um, and yeah, enjoyed keeping up up to date with what's going on. And uh, obviously, um, got connected to you, Paul, as well through LinkedIn. Katie Antle, thank you very much for joining me. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework: subscribe and share this with a friend or colleague. Please leave your five-star review and any comments you have because that really helps me to improve every day and it helps people to discover me online. If you want to upgrade your leadership skills in 25 minutes, you should check out practical-leadership.academy.